What did we just watch, Amy? We watched the 1987 sci-fi comedy, Inner Space. Comedy? Are you, are you unsure about its comedy nature? Um, no. Okay. I, I believe when you cast Martin Short in something, it's probably a comedy. Yeah. And uh, this is our first, these are our first impressions of the film without any prior thought or research and there will be spoilers but as a film from the 80s um your timeline's out yeah spoiler spoiler alert is up yep yeah i think i saw this as a kid i definitely remember the imagery I, i have seen this before i remember it more from like the box at blockbuster than i do the actual content of the yeah. film i just remember the little ship going through like the body. Yeah. That's the imagery that I remember. Yeah. Um, which is quite uh, stunning imagery as far as those things and go. And it won an Oscar for visual effects. Oh, good. I'm happy to hear that because it had real good visual effects. Yeah, I kept watching it and thinking that it was cool because, you know, these are like before CGI mm-hmm. effects. So they're, you know, they have a special effects artist mm-hmm. who's doing it not that cgi yeah, is not like, also an art cgi is not art <laughs> it is art it's just different art yes there is there is something magical about practical effects um and this does a lot of really cool stuff with them uh and not just in the scenes inside the body i think some of the other practical effects were also unexpectedly good mm-hmm. like when the two bad guys get shrunk yes i love it just like they're just Short, they're tiny. They got shrunk down to like... But they're in proportion to an adult human. Yeah, they just got shrunk down to like uh, 50% or whatever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And they interact with the fully grown, I mean, normal Normal human sized. Yeah, I don't know if I could call Martin Short fully grown. He's a little guy too. He's a little guy. Uh, Yeah, so what did you think? I enjoyed it. You had some... Laugh out loud, loud chuckles. I did. I had some laugh out loud chuckles. I laughed. I laughed real hard at some. I of the parts. did not, but I don't laugh out loud very often. No. Um, but it was cute. I did not like Dennis Quaid's character <laughs> at all, especially like in the first half hour. Yeah, 20 he's kind of a terrible guy. And I was just like, Meg Ryan, you can do so much better than this guy. He needs. Well, she almost drinking. wound up with uh, Martin Short, kind of. No, I don't think so. It's triple goals. No, I, I don't think there was really a love triangle <laughs> happening there. Um, but cute, um, cool special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, a kind of, I feel like a subdued performance from Martin Short, knowing where how far he can go into, like, physical mm-hmm. comedy. Um... I mean, I kept thinking about, like, the weirdest thing, which was um, this would be a really interesting crossover to have Martin Short from Interspate crossover in a movie with uh, Steve Martin from All of Me. Because they both have, like, someone inside my body, physical comedy. Oh, I don't know what All of Me oh, All of Me is real good. It's uh, Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin is a rich lady who dies and hires a psychic to put her into somebody's body, but it goes wrong. And so she gets stuck in Steve Martin's body. Mm. And so Steve Martin is fighting against her throughout the movie with like, Lily Tomlin doing voiceover. 
but um, it's a very impressive physical performance of watching him act like half of his body has been taken over by Lily Tomlin. Ah, yes. Well, in this case, um, Martin Short's body has not been taken over. No, it's being influenced by... The little ship? Submarine? I don't know what to call the little... The inner spaceship. Yeah. He can hear Mm -hmm. um, Dennis Quaid, and Dennis Quaid can hear him and see through his optic nerve. Yeah. eyes. Um... But Dennis Quaid can't take over his body. Except when he changes his face. That was weird. <laughs> well, he, he says, like, you know, at one point he's like, I'm juicing your adrenal glands. So you got tons yeah. of strength. Yeah. Um, yeah, the face thing was the weirdest. It was weird. Um, it, I, you can't think about it too hard because, like, okay, he's got a piece of software that can... Force the muscles in the face to make him look like Robert Picardo, mm-hmm. um, which is weird considering he was originally being made to look like he was going to go into a rabbit. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that they had that built that for the rabbit technology. test, like the optic nerve and the audio sensor. Like, okay, that makes sense. You can do that in a rabbit. Yeah, they have eyes and ears. Um, they don't have like facial mapping to readjust. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was a weird one, but not necessarily more weird than anything else that was going on. Uh, and Dennis Quaid could do EMP pulses, which would mess with electronics. Yeah. Out again, why do you kind of need that if you're going to go into the body of a rabbit? But yeah, the movie doesn't want you to think about it, and it's probably best if you don't. Yeah, the part that really didn't didn't make sense to me is when. Martin Short kisses Meg Ryan, and that transfers the uh-huh. little submarine. And when, like, Dennis Quaid would know that he was in the mouth and being, like, he would be aware of what body part he was he, in. He spent most of the movie aware of what body part he was in. That yeah. was an important plot point multiple times. But he didn't seem to know he had transferred Into the bodies. saliva mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and that's why all of his sensors didn't work. And then it happened again. And you would think you would have to like coordinate with him and be like, hey, bring the submarine back up into my mouth so I can transfer you back into this other body. Yeah, no, this, this, the thing that I kept thinking of um, throughout the whole movie was that it very much runs on like cartoon logic, uh, which I like. I wish more movies ran on cartoon logic sometimes. Where it's like, yeah, this happened because it was the funniest thing to happen in this Mm -hmm. moment. Not because of any internal logic or consistency. Um, It happened because it needed to. And that's all I care about. Uh, And that amused me. The whole movie amused me. I found it very funny. Do you recognize Robert Picardo? I did. Okay. Even though he had a full head of hair. Uh I wrote in my notes, the doctor is the cowboy. You didn't say anything, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, that's fair. Sometimes I poke and go, I recognize a guy. Yeah. Yeah. What I think I saw his name in the credits in the opening, yeah. and that primed me. Oh, and you knew. For looking. I know who you Robert Picardo okay. is, yeah. You know, I know Star Trek cast member names. Okay, okay. Generally. What was weird, though, is he. I think he was playing an Arab character. I have no idea what he was doing. Doing. Because he had a, like, necklace with 
Arab. I think it was Arabic script. It could have been another language. I, I, um, I kind of thought it was Hebrew, but oh, you thought it was Hebrew. Well, the thing was, um, well, this he he was on the plane. He opened a magazine that had that script on it, oh. which I don't think was Hebrew. Now that I think, I think it was something else and he opened it from what we would consider the back which oh, is how you read interesting. Arabic yes because like, it's like a, a right to left script language mm-hmm. yeah oh, that's interesting I hadn't uh, that didn't occur to me but yes and he had an accent and he had a real weird accent so it's, um, it's like is this racist <laughs> yeah that's the thought I keep ha- kept having was is this racist? Because I think he was. I think it was a person of, of color. Yeah, was... I could. I could see that. Um, now that you're pointing it out to me, yeah. There was nothing in like, the character's backstory, or interactions with the world that would suggest this. I was just going on, seeing that the visuals, yeah, in. The, the writing in the um, in the plane. Yeah, no, that's a good notice. I'm going to Google Robert Picardo and see I, if I can see a picture of him. I don't think he is. But no, he's not. I wanted to see a picture Eastern. of him as the cowboy in inner space. That's uh-huh. what I was looking for. Uh, to get a okay. visual reference. I also wondered if he was wearing a wig. If he was already bald by then. I... I feel like he was wearing a wig. I do feel like he was wearing a wig. Especially because in when he's wearing the Martin short wig, it looked as real yeah. as his hair when he wasn't wearing yeah. the Martin short wig. Also, he had very curly hair, and I don't get the sense from his hair in, like, Voyager, Star yeah. Trek Voyager, that it would, if it grew out, it would be curly. Yeah, no, I certainly didn't get that impression. Um, so I, I feel like that was a wig. I feel like he was also tanned a little bit. I, I, I feel like I yeah, kept no. going this, is this I, racist? I see all of those things maybe that you're stating. Yeah. Not aging well. Yeah. I, I can absolutely see that being the case. Now that I'm looking at the picture, I'm like, yeah, he's a little, a little darkened up in a, in a way that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I think there was a little bit of plausible deniability, but also mm, not enough. But it was cool to see him in a comedic role. Yeah, because I haven't he since Star Trek Voyager. I see him every once in a while as as a like guest star mm-hmm. on on different TV shows. Mm-hmm. Nothing yeah. about he's them a, is he's comedic. A, he is a very comedic actor, which I think was very true in Star Trek. Um, when he was in Voyager, I think he he knew how to play funny in the way okay, in the yeah. same way that like Data is a funny character um, or Spock is a funny character because they all fill similar niches mm-hmm. in the structure of the show. Um, like it's not a comedy character, but he knows how to play with that comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, super spoilers for the latest episode of. Uh, Picard, like seriously, super spoilers. Um, I was real impressed with Brent Spiner's physicality <laughs> when he was woken up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I didn't recognize. I, I recognized Robert Picardo. I recognized a bunch of people 
Amy. I didn't always recognize where I knew them from. It was a bunch of like, hey, it's that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the cabbie in the first scene with Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the cabbies waiting outside. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that was, I had to look this up, Dick Miller, who has been in, I think, every uh, movie directed by Joe Dante. I don't know Dick Miller, and I've never heard of Joe Dante until Oh, today. really? I'm, a, I'm a generally so. a fan of Joe Dante's work. So I know him most as the director of Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Okay. Um, Gremlins, very 80s movie. Oh, yeah. Gremlins 2 is a formative film for me, much more so than the, second, than the first Gremlins, mm. um, which is weird. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's true. Um, uh, matinee which was a an homage to like the 1930s horror films small soldiers which is about a bunch of action figures coming to life i kind of remember that uh he directed looney tunes back in action um considered by many to be uh the last good brendan fraser starring vehicle uh it was the semi-sequel to air space jam space jam uh, in in that it was a live action Looney Tunes movie, okay. not that it had anything to do with Space Jam. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, the Burbs. That was, I remember that. Yeah. Um, in the Inner Space, which I didn't think I think I kind of knew was one of his, but I generally like his stuff because I think he does a real good blend of sci fi and comedy in a way that I feel like very few directors can nail nowadays mm-hmm. um, honestly I put someone like Edgar Wright in the same camp of quality of director but the cab driver has a much more prominent in inner space has a much more prominent role in Gremlins and Gremlins 2 that's where I recognize okay. him from I saw Bilbo Baggins I'm not sure the <laughs> actor's name but I saw him uh, who was Bilbo Baggins the grocery store manager yeah um, the First Bilbo Baggins, not the Hobbit no, Bilbo not Baggins. from the Hobbit, not <laughs> Martin Freeman. Yeah, um, well, I'm blanking on the guy's name too. Yeah, I I don't know how it pulled up. Um, no, I don't think that was. No, that wasn't Bilbo Baggins. I don't think that was Bilbo Baggins. Oh, I'm wrong. Never mind. I think that was this guy, Henry Gibson. Okay. Where do I know him from? Uh, I know him from being one of the Illinois Nazis in Blues Brothers. Okay. (laughs) Um, He was also apparently in The Burbs and Nashville. You're right. That's who's listed. Never. Don't listen to me. I can't identify actors. I mean, you get them more often than I do, so... He was Father O'Neill in Wedding Crashers. Mm. Uh, and he was in Gremlins too. Yeah. As well. Another Joe Dante cast member. Uh, and then Kevin McCarthy is a very famous actor who played the um, evil mad scientist. Well, what has he been in? A lot of things. Uh, he was Biff in The Death of a Salesman movie, 1951. He was uh, in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. 
He was in Piranha, another Joe Dante film. Uh, he was in UHF. That's where I know him from. The Weird Al movie. The first Weird Al movie. Now there's two Weird Al movies, which is a weird thing. <laughs> if I had a nickel oh. for every Weird Al movie, I'd have two nickels. None of these things are things that I have seen. Okay. He was in Looney Tunes Back in Action. Again, another uh, Joe Dante film. Uh, yeah. He's a, he's a good guy. Anyway, good cast. And Meg Ryan, um, who felt a, a little out of place throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I was trying to place her where this was in her career, her filmography. Yeah. Of, I mean, it was pre... Just... It was post-Harry Met... No, it was pre-Harry Met Sally. Because Harry Met Sally was 89. So... So it was after, like... I'm pulling up her filmography yeah. now on the thing. Me too. Um... Yeah, this is pre when Harry met Sally, pre Joe versus the volcano. Pre sleepless, the... and yeah. obviously pre you've got mail, which was sort of the end of that trilogy. Um. So, yeah, she does seem like a big movie star in this movie, but I think that's colored by yeah, we know her yeah. from later well, on, and I mean. Give it to Meg Ryan. She's got an impressive screen presence, <laughs> no matter what she's in. Like it's like, yeah, that's Meg Ryan, which is why she was such a big star for so long. Um, although looking at her recent filmography, it's kind of disappointing. Like, yeah, what are, what are we doing here? We're not using Meg Ryan enough. Come on. But it's also nice to see her in something that's not a rom com, because certainly that's what she became known for. Yes, rom coms, and this is. Not that. Not a rom-com. I did wonder if this is where she met Dennis Quaid, and it was. Well, there you so. go. Was she married to Dennis Quaid? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Well, there you go. Yep. They met on Interspace. Mm-hmm. Fun times. And they had... Uh, and Jack Quaid is their son from The Boys and Star Trek. What? Um, the cartoon Star Trek. <laughs> uh, Lower Decks. That's what it is. What? Yeah. Whoa, blow my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see the Quaid resemblance now that you say that. <laughs> Fascinating. Kevin learned something new. Right live, right now. Uh, good job, Jack Quaid. I guess. Yeah, I guess that makes him a Nepo baby. Yeah, I gotta love them Nepo babies. Mm. It's weird that we call them that now when it's been around forever. Yes. <laughs> like, like Michael did... Douglas is a Nepo baby. <laughs> <laughs> like Hollywood di- like dynasties have been around since Hollywood. Yeah. Liza Minnelli, <laughs> Nepo baby. <Yeah. laughs> Um, we've, we've meandered a bit from the, uh, things in the movie. The film, do you have more notes? Uh, I have a few more notes. Um, so, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the evil mad scientist guy, uh, had a fluffy dog on a big black, black glass desk in a giant empty warehouse mm-hmm. for no reason whatsoever, and I loved it. And then the big fluffy dog came back when they were having breakfast mm-hmm. with the doctor, mm-hmm. and breakfast appeared to be bowl of raw eggs and some taco shells <laughs> I don't know what was up with that that's true that was weird 
That was weird. Like, the butler cracks a raw egg into a bowl, and then he gives it to the dog, and it's like, oh, that's what the dog's eating. And then, nope, everyone gets a bowl of two raw eggs and some hard corn taco shells. (laughs) And I um, did not know what was going on with that, but I amused it. I was amused. All right, that's all my notes. Oh, except for the furries at the mall. Right after, um... I don't think they were furries, Kevin. Like, it wasn't like furries had a meet-up at the mall. I don't know. It looked like they didn't, they didn't have any, they like, thematic... like, a kid's day <laughs> where there were big animal mascot things. <laughs> and clowns and okay. balloons. We're not having a furries meet-up. I mean, it could have been. Like, they did have clowns. <laughs> that was all I thought, though, was when he woke up and he was surrounded by furries. <laughs> that made that me was laugh. a funny shot when he yeah. wakes up and you see it from his perspective. <laughs> that was what? a funny shot. What is going on here? Um, the weird subplot with uh, Martin Short's co-worker who's, like, really into him, but... And he's into her, but maybe not. Because she's too wild for him. Well, he she's keeping him like at arm's distance. Cause yeah, she wants a bad boy, I think. Yeah, but then she sees him at the club. Yeah, and then he's interesting to her. Uh huh. I like the ending too, where it like set it up kind of as sequel bait, mm-hmm. but it wasn't sequel no. bait. So that, the, you know, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan get married, and in the back of their limo are the two shrunken scientists, scientists. and, you know, hijinks will ensue, and um, Martin Short realizes it and races after them yeah. in a convertible. I love that ending, too. And that, so you can imagine further antics going on. See, that's how I was reading yeah. that as, like, thruples of, like, oh, he, he ditched his, his <laughs> that girl who was interested in him to go chase after uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan and have further adventures, the three of them together. Mm-hmm. Um, although, yes, not actually setting up for a sequel. Um, a sequel would be less interesting because it would probably yeah. just be like more inner space. Like, why would you inject someone again? Shrink down <laughs> and inject someone again. Yeah, this time it's Martin Short inside Dennis Quaid's body for some reason. Well, those are all terrible ideas, but. They just gave it to that good, like, forward-seeking ending moment. And then you don't have to worry about the fact that all of those plot lines didn't actually resolve. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was the the key plot line of, oh, we have to get him out before he runs out of oxygen. Yeah. Which was good as far as tension building goes, but... Uh, yeah, but to get unshrunken, those two scientists needed the two chips yeah. to, like... Which is why they're not unshrunk by the end. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like... Like, they should go to the lab to get the two chips. It's not like Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan have No, he does! Chips. Didn't you see his cufflinks oh, at the end? Oh, that's right! His cufflinks were the chips. That's right! Okay. Now, why they let him take the cufflinks, the chips as his cufflinks, is another question. I also... I liked uh, the... The... 
chips had to be inserted with a robotic arm <laughs> at the beginning of the film, and I watched that and I was like, that's nothing, nothing about this requires a robotic arm to do it. Yes. And then at the end of the film, when it happens again, the tech is like, screw this, this is too slow, I'm just going to put it in myself. Yeah, well, when they're getting the second chip, it's the same thing, where, like, Martin Short has to reach into this glass panel for some reason to get the chip, and he can't reach it, so they have to use the robot arm. Uh, it was a good running running gag about the robot arm for the chips. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the robot arms appeared multiple times throughout the movie. Mm. Dennis Quaid went ahead in his apartment for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Good movie. Good movie holds up. I feel like... Except for that kind of racist part. Except for the racist part. That's that's not great. It's not great. We maybe shouldn't have done that. Um, just let him be a guy who likes cowboys. Uh, I was I was also thinking while we were watching this that it... This feels like a movie... That doesn't get made much anymore. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking. I was thinking like this wouldn't work in this day and age. It, w- it would be like a Sci-Fi Channel movie. Yeah, you know, with cheap CGI and like watching it and thinking mm-hmm. this is really silly. Yeah, like I think concept. honestly, I think the only reason it got made, or I don't know the only reason, but I think the reason it got made and was able to have like the budget it needed and the. I mean, it wasn't a huge budget. It was like $25 million looking at the Wikipedia page. But any of that and the willingness to take a risk on a very goofy movie like this was because you had, like, Steven Spielberg behind it mm-hmm. um, with Amblin Entertainment as the producers or production company. Um, because, like, this... It feels... Um, this is a weird thought. It feels too big for, like, a Bloomhouse... Or A24. Bloomhouse doesn't do a lot of sci-fi anyway, but they're they're meeting that sort of need. Mm-hmm. Um, but too small for any like major studio. Those mid-sized films are uh, few and far between nowadays. Yeah, because Wikipedia said it made like $47 million on its whole yeah. international run, which is nothing. Yeah. It's, I mean, I well, mean, it made back its budget. Yeah. Um, yeah, $27 million budget, $42 million box office, unsighted on Wikipedia, so... Yeah. But, like, that's not the sort of thing studios want. They don't want a movie that doubles its budget back. They want a movie that 100 times its budget back. Mm-hmm. And so the two ways you do that are you do Bloomhouse, and you make a movie for a million dollars, or you make a movie for a hundred million dollars and hope it makes a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, mid-sized movies don't happen as much nowadays and that's disappointing I'm mad. i wonder if i've been looking more at um international cinema lately trying to find more films from other countries that i've never seen a film from mm-hmm. i wonder if those areas are filling those spaces to some extent mm. uh, just a thought mm-hmm. trying to watch more movies from countries that aren't the u.s france and japan and britain and britain that's true. Uh, any other thoughts, Amy? Nope. It was a fun movie. Fun. Oh, I had one other thought. The guy with a gun in his hand. <laughs> I liked that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Again, silly, not, and not relevant. Put, like, weird different attachments. Yeah, he got a drill on it one time. Yeah. Maybe a flamethrower. Yeah. 
yeah, none of that made any sense uh, or needed to be there, but I'm glad it was. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all my thoughts. All right, well, you want to tell them about our Patreon? Yeah, we've got a great Patreon, and by great, I mean it's ours. It exists. That's that's what I like about it. Uh, it exists, and you can support the show. Of course, listening to the show alone is support, and we love you for doing that. But if you want to support us even more, you can go there, 5 Degrees... Patreon.com slash 5Degrees, where you can support us on a per-episode basis. You can also put a monthly cap, so if we put out too many episodes in a month, you can say, whoa, slow your roll, and you won't get charged by by too much, more than your budget can sustain. And if your budget's zero, that's fine too. But if you do support us on Patreon at any level, you get two great perks. The first perk is you get bonus audio on every single episode, uh, the double unedited version. We're basically unedited but you get it from the moment the mic turns on to the mic turns off and we talk to and about our cat that's that's mostly it and thank you for listening to our very low-tech podcast <laughs> that we do not edit for don't precision edit. Don't and do any work. cut the elms out and yeah. the cat bites and no we, we low production values low budget we're we're a uh, no budget podcast that's right um so any support that you do give us goes into paying for things like hosting or our web domain, which is 5degreesbetween.us. And we appreciate it. You can also rate us and review us on your favorite place to rate and review a podcast or tell your friends about us or just keep listening because that's what we care about. Oh, I forgot the other perk. I got distracted. The second perk is you get a list of movies we did not watch because most episodes start with me going, Amy, you want to watch one of these five movies? And she says, Yes. And then she picks one, and then we watch it. That's the other perk. I think that's everything. You got everything. Cool. Say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight.